Well, I'm going to uh, invite you to come on back in and uh, grab your seats, grab your beverages. And I notice uh, the apprentices are here, if you haven't said hi yet over there. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. Jeff and Diane had their first. And then the bilingas, I think, was, were also over there. Yeah, congratulations. Great. So make sure you uh, take the time and opportunity to congratulate them and to meet the new additions to their uh, respective families. Well, my name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge, and uh, it's great to uh, get to hang out with you this morning. And as we get started into the teaching time this morning, kids, I have a question for you that I want you to kind of noodle around with a little bit, okay? And I want to get your shout out the answer to me, okay? Um, And the question is this. What is the craziest thing that you have seen an animal do? What is the craziest thing that you have ever seen an animal do? Now, this can include things that you have seen on TV or on online. Just keep it tasteful, all right? It's family-inclusive mode, remember? All right. All right. What's the craziest thing that you've seen an animal do? All right. Jared? An elephant doing painting? Whoa, that's pretty crazy. All right, M. Sorry, say it louder for me. I'm going to have to come over. A bird doing what? A dirt bath. That's pretty crazy. I might have to take those in Africa. Well, we'll wait and see. All right, what else? Who else has seen an animal doing crazy things? All right, yeah. A panda hanging upside down. That's pretty crazy. I found this picture online. It's a rat or a mouse riding on top of a cat, riding on top of a dog, being walked somewhere. It's a little crazy, I think. What else? Anybody else seen any animals doing crazy things? Yeah. I don't know. Those crazy animals. Hey, all right. Well, keep that in your mind because today's encounter in the Bible is about one of the weirdest things that I have ever, ever heard of an animal doing. And we'll get there in a moment, but our story begins where we left off last weekend. So through the summer, we're talking about and following the story of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And they're wandering around in the wilderness, and they're waiting to cross over into the land that God has promised to give them. And so we can see from our paintings from each week, we're getting a different artist to do uh, a visual representation of that morning. And so you can see the first week there, they're kind of at the edge of the desert, and they can look and see into the promised land. Ruth Allen did that for us. And then we had the story of Korah and fighting and the split. So we had Sophie do that one for us. And then last week we had talked about water from the rock in Numbers chapter 20. And so we had Danny Ferguson do this piece for us. And then we've got our piece from this morning, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But time and time again, we see the people, and they're kind of like waffling back and forth right on the edge in this journey between faith and unbelief, between trusting God and between thinking, nah, not so interested in that, between complaining and between seeing God do absolutely amazing things 
in uh, their lives. And it can be easy, I think, for me. Sometimes I look at those stories, and I find it pretty easy and quick to judge them and think, well, I would never do anything as foolish as that. I mean, if God did something amazing like bringing water out of a rock to, to uh, allow in the middle of a desert all of us to have nourishment, I mean, I would never complain ever, ever, ever again. But yet, I find myself then thinking, you know what? My life has often lived right in that place between faith and doubt, too. And I'm pretty quick to forget some of the things that God does. I'm pretty quick to jump to conclusions. I might hear God say something to me and then decide, I'm not really going to do that. Um, And sometimes my motives get all mixed up. So I don't know if you find yourself in that situation, too. But that, I think, is a descriptor of what we're dealing with when we think about the people's lives and our lives this morning. So let's pray as we jump in. We're going to look at God's Word in Numbers chapter 22 this morning. So God, we thank you uh, for the scriptures. We thank you for the way in which you reveal yourself to us, both in them and then here today as well, uh, through conversations with each other, uh, through all kinds of different ways. So I pray you would just speak to each heart here this morning, God, and that you would open our hearts, that we wouldn't be too stubborn or too proud in any way to hear from you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, when we left our story last weekend, we left the children of Israel still in the desert getting water from a rock. And then they go on from there, and they have two incredible military victories. They beat two of the biggest nations around. And so they feel pretty good about this. So they come right now to the edge of the plains of Moab, which they can see the Jordan River, like they're right close to the land. And they can actually see the city of Jericho. And they might think they're ready to cross over, but they're not there just yet. They have another problem as well. The king of the land of the plains of Moab, the country of Moab, is a little bit unsure as to what they're doing there. And he decides that he's seen them coming and he is going to try and wipe them out. But his problem is they just beat the two countries that beat him. And so he thinks, you know what? My army is not strong enough to take on these these Israelites. I'm going to have to come up with another plan. So he gets another plan, and he decides on it. And so we'll pick up the story in Numbers chapter 22, verse 3. So if you have your Bible, go there. You can go and pick one up at the Welcome Center if you want, or you can go there on your smartphone. Numbers chapter 22, verse 3. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, They were terrified. And the king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, this mob will devour everything in sight, just like an ox devours grass in the field. So Balak, who was the king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pethor near the Euphrates River. And his message said this, look, a whole vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt And they cover the face of the earth, and they're threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me, because they are too powerful for me. Then, perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them out from this land, because I know that blessings fall on any people that you bless, 
and curses fall on any people that you curse. So we meet our main character in the story today by the name of Balaam. Now, Balaam had a bit of an international reputation and gig going on. He was well known as a kind of seer or kind of a a prophet for hire, a a diviner. And it appears uh, from history that Balaam was kind of willing to deal with whatever supernatural beings his clients were relevant to the needs of his clients. And he actually lives pretty far away from Moab. And so for the king of Moab to call him is a really big deal. So this Balak must be really, really worried that he's going to get beat here. And a very big expense, too. Roy Gain, who is an author in his commentary on the book of Numbers, for which I am debted to much of the context historically for this, he notes that Balaam was such a big player in the ancient world that we have multiple records all over the place of him coming and visiting these ancient worlds and kingdoms and doing work for them. Uh, Archaeologists have discovered his story written in plaster in the site of Del Allah. It's about eight kilometers east of the Jordan River. And uh, Balaam's contract with Moab is actually written down, too, in ancient literature and history. So what does his contract actually say? What does Moab want him to do? Well, let's keep reading. Balak's messengers, who were the elders of Moab and Midian, in verse 7 of chapter 22, set out with money to pay Balaam to come and place a curse on Israel. So they went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. Stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. And that night, God came to Balaam and asked him, Who are these men who are visiting you? Now, you remember last week, Pastor Keith talked about a rhetorical question. This is God asking a rhetorical question. God knows who the men are that have come to visit him. But Balaam says to God, Well, Balak, uh, son of Zippor, king of Moab, he sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of peoples arrive from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I'll be able to stand up from them and drive them out from the land. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. So the next morning, Balaam got up and he told Balak's officials, go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to King Balak and reported, huh? Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak tried again. This time, he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than he had sent the first time. And they went to Balaam, and they delivered this message to him. This is what Balak, the son of Zippor, says, Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers, well, listen, even if Balak were to give me his whole palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. But stay here one more night, and I'll see if the Lord has anything to say to me. That night, God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. Now, here's where our story gets really, really interesting. Remember we talked about crazy animal stuff? It's about to happen. So Balaam saddles his donkey and gets ready 
to go. Now, I don't know, I just made up a little bit of journey music for Balaam here, so, you know, Perry, there might be all kinds of copyright issues with Happy Beach, but, you know, I don't know, maybe Balak was going like, you know, he's saddling up his donkey. He's kind of happy on his way. You know, he's saying, off I go today on a mission, yay. I'm going to curse some people and get paid. It's kind of what he does for a living, so I, I don't know. But uh, we see in the story, as, as he goes along on his merry little way, that God is not happy that Balaam was, sends an angel of the Lord to block his way. Now remember, Balaam is supposed to be this super spiritual dude who, I mean, and God appears to him in a dream and all of these types of things. This is his business. And as he goes along and the angel of the Lord stands in the way, Balaam can't see it. It's right in front of him. But... His donkey can see the angel of the Lord. Now, how many of you have a favorite stuffed animal? Adults, you can put your hands up too. All right, a right. few of you have a favorite stuffed animal. I also have a favorite stuffed animal. This is my stuffed animal from growing up. Anybody recognize it? Eeyore, that's right, yes. Eeyore is looking a little worse for wear these days and has for quite some time. My wife finds it interesting that me, as an eternal optimist, has Eeyore as my sort of chosen companion for life as the eternal pessimist or realist. So this is my trusty donkey. You see, we complete each other. (laughs) But Eeyore has nothing compared to the donkey in this story. You see, Balaam's donkey can actually see the angel of the Lord. And so when the donkey sees it standing there in the road, the donkey, being a smart donkey, decides, I'm not going to keep going forward. The angel's going to kill us. Donkey takes a detour off of the road. Balaam can't see it. Balaam beats the donkey and says, come on, donkey, get back on the road, back on the road, back on the road. Donkey gets back on the road. They keep going on their journey. The angel of the Lord moves a little further down. This time the road's a little bit narrower. And so the donkey looks in because eh, I could probably squeeze back. Angel of the Lord's on that side. Donkey moves over to the side, and Balaam's foot gets crushed against the wall. And so Balaam again beats the donkey and says, Come on, donkey, come on, what's going on here? This crazy donkey. So the angel of the Lord moves a little further up the road. Now we're really in a bind because the angel of the Lord has situated him where there is nowhere to go, that the, the donkey can't go around, leave the road at all. And so the donkey, being a very smart donkey, decides to do the only smart and intelligent thing. Collapse. He Right then and there, I'm not going another further. The text says the angel of the Lord has a sword drawn. Donkey says, all right, we're stopping right here. We're not going a step further. But Balaam, again, can't see the angel of the Lord. So he just starts beating on the donkey again. He's like, come on, donkey, what are you doing? Lying down in the middle of the road, this is ridiculous. You know? And the donkey then, it says, is gifted and enabled by God to do one of the most amazing things you've ever heard an animal do. And you can see it. Pete Sands has painted our art piece for us here. And I love the depiction of this moment. And 
facial expressions that Peter's given both of our characters for today. And the donkey says, the first thing the donkey says is, what have I done that deserves you beating me these three times? And Baal says, come on, this is ridiculous. It's a donkey, you know. And uh, Balaam says, you have made me look like a fool. Balaam's very concerned about how he looks in front of this big entourage. If I had a sword with me, a little bit of irony here, the angel has a sword. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you right now. And then the donkey responds very intelligibly and intelligently, but I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this? before, kind of appealing to their shared history together. How's that for a crazy animal story? But there's a few other crazy parts to this story that I want us to explore together this morning. One part that seems a little bit crazy that you have to think about a little bit and wrestle with is, so why did God get mad at Balaam for going when God said, yes, Balaam could go. Have you ever had that happen to you kids? Where your parents have said, you can do something, and then later you go ahead and do it, and then you get in trouble for doing it? Is that what's going on here? That doesn't seem very fair, does it? Well, in order to get at that question, we have to ask a little bit more about Balaam's motives for going in the first place. See, Balaam is going to do a job that God doesn't want done. God is not at all interested in having Balaam curse the people that God himself has blessed. Not one and no one, even Balaam, is going to overrule God's blessing on his people. So Balaam's first answer to the first group of emissaries is the right answer to the question. But it still doesn't quite get at the, the answer of, well, why would God get mad at Balaam for going. Well, we see Balaam has a little bit of a problem, maybe some of you will share this problem, of taking no for an answer. And we see in the story, what is it that changes his mind? It appears that what changes Balaam's mind is that he gets a little bit greedy and he gets a little bit more concerned about his image. Because he says no the first time, but the second time when more people come, he's like, eh, I could consider it. We've upped the ante a little bit now. This is, we've got a lot of this. This could look really good on my sort of divination resume. I, yeah, let me ask God again. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's changed his mind about this whole scenario. The second group goes, and they're more dressed up. They're more important, they have more clothes, more money, and Balaam begins to reconsider. But Balaam should have accepted God's and taken God's first no as the final answer to the question. You see, God has already let Balaam know where he stands on the issue of cursing people that God does not want to have cursed. But Balaam is looking for a little bit of maybe wiggle room in this equation. And so he's trying to figure out how he would go about doing that. And God does an interesting thing, which I think God does too in our lives sometimes. 
happens also in Numbers chapter 11, verses 31 to 33. In that instance, the people are complaining. And they complain and say to God and to Moses, what are you going to bring us out in the middle of this wilderness? You know, like, we're eating this manna. You have provided for this us for 40 years. This stuff is gross and disgusting. Like, I don't want to eat this manna anymore. I want meat, like something of substance. And uh, Moses says, okay, I'll go ask God about it, and goes and asks God about it, and God says, well, I'll fine, I'll send the people some meat. And Moses says, um, God, I'm not sure if you've noticed we're in the middle of a wilderness here. I don't know how in the world are you going to provide for over a million people meat. Like, where's that going to come from? And God says, I'll look after it. Don't worry about it. So God sends flocks of quail, just quail upon quail upon quail upon quail upon quail upon quail upon quail, just covers the whole ground, and the people begin to kill them and eat them, but the people begin to go crazy. Like, they just begin to gorge themselves on this quail. And then it says in Numbers 11 that God gets upset with the people and says, we're finished with this. This is ridiculous. This is stupid. And you should have just let it go. But now you've kind of gotten into this scenario where, you know, you, you've, you've just gone taken this whole thing way, way, way too far. And it appears sometimes that what God will do is God will actually let things into our lives or give us what we want in order to test us. In this situation, it appears that the Lord is testing people, testing the people of Israel in Numbers 11, testing Balaam here. And by giving him what he wants, Balaam wants to go and curse these people. That's his livelihood. That's his sort of M.O., And so God is actually going to give Balaam what he wants in order to see whether or not Balaam will show some restraint in accordance with what Balaam already knows to be true and right. God has already told Balaam what he wants to have happen in this situation. But Balaam is the one who keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. Sometimes our own lives and experience with God are like that too. Sometimes we're praying for something and God says no, and we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, it's as if God says, fine. You know what my first answer to that question was, but I'm going to give you what you're asking for so you will know ultimately that maybe it's not good for you. We ask and we ask and we say, God, oh, I want more money so I can be more generous. And God says, no, this isn't the right time for you. You have no, you're not handling well what I've given you already. Oh, no, God, I just, if I had more, I would totally handle it differently and better. Sometimes God says, fine, I'm going to give you that experience. And sure enough, we can't handle it. Or we say to God, oh, God, I just, I really want to be in a relationship. And God says, no, I've given you the gift of being single at this time. And we keep griping and griping. And finally, God says to us, fine, I'm going to give you what you want. Show some restraint in the relationship. And we can't, and we don't, and we blow the whole thing up. Now, perhaps those are more maybe adult examples, and so let's see if we can illustrate this a little bit for the kids. Kids, who wants some candy? Okay. All right. Okay, Pastor Mike, going to give you some candy. All right, can you show some restraint? I have a whole bag here of yeah. Sour Patch Kids. I love Sour Patch Kids. Can you show some restraint? Yeah. I, I will. Okay. Yeah. All right. You go ahead and eat those. I'm going to come back to you later on and see how you're doing with that. But you just, okay, I'm going to give you what you want, and we'll see how that works out for you, okay? All right. Go easy. You can, you'll get a, like a canker, okay? And there's like, it takes a while to open those bags. Like just 
take it easy over there, all right? So, okay. All right, now, where were we? Right. Balaam. Right. Balaam was saying to God, it's like Balaam, when he's talking to God, he's saying, yeah, 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 God, uh, I'll do what you want me to say. I'll say what you want me to say. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll do that. That's a, that's a good idea. But Balaam has got it in his mind already and in his heart that he is going to do whatever he wants when he gets there. So we get this picture even more clearly in verse 25, where Balaam says to the angel of the Lord, well, um, after the angel of the Lord appears and Balaam then says, you know, uh, the angel says to Balaam, why did you beat your donkey those three times? Look, I've come to block your way. You are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would have certainly killed you by now and spared your donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord. And look what he confesses to. He says, I have sinned. I didn't realize that you were standing in the road. I will return home if you are against my going. The angel of the Lord has just told him, I am against your going. I am standing in the way to block you from going. Oh, I'm sorry. I just didn't see you there. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm apologetic. Not that I'm going, just apologetic that I didn't see you. The angel of the Lord says to Balaam, go with these men, but only say what I tell you to say. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials. Balaam misses again that he has God's response already. God has told him not to curse those people that God has blessed, but he can't see it. He gets lost in his own perspective. And Balaam is a bit stubborn, it says. And perhaps you and I are as well from time to time. And so in this case, God does something just radical to get Balaam's attention. He loosens the tongue on Balaam's poor donkey. And one of those other crazy or ironic things about the donkey in this story is that Balaam does not seem at all phased that he is talking with an animal. I love this uh, cartoon from Reverend Fun. Yo, Balaam, us animals were just wondering why you don't get freaked out when the animals talk to you. The kind of, the irony that gets layered in this story makes it even a little bit funnier to me. Balaam says to the donkey, well, if I had a sword, I would kill you right now. When the donkey is the very one who has saved Balaam three times from getting killed by the angel's sword. Three times Balaam's donkey sees what Balaam himself cannot see. And this dude is supposed to be so super spiritual and hear what God is saying to him. And he can see God appearing to him in visions, but he can't see God when God is right In front of him. The donkey speaks the truth straight up to Balaam. The donkey is acting human in this story, and the human is acting asinine. But we do have to give our buddy Balaam some credit. After all, this whole talking donkey incident must have embarrassed him just a little bit in front of his paying customers. This donkey speaking up kind of might have made him look a little bit foolish, don't you think? We don't know in the story whether or not other people in the story could hear them. They certainly weren't participating in the angel of the Lord part of the story. Their donkeys ostensibly were taking them right on. And Balaam had a couple servants, and we, doesn't, we don't hear about his servants noticing the donkey at all. So maybe just Balaam can hear his donkey talk. You know, oh, what's that of yours? Oh, 
oh, yes, that's a good idea. We should go back and check in with Mr. Mike. Yeah, that's a good plan. Okay, we'll go over and check in with him and see how he's doing with his candy eating. So, um, did you finish all of those? You didn't share any of them with anybody? Not even my wife. I mean, I know some of them, they're a little bit stingy. They put like one in a package, but there's enough kind of sugar in there. I don't know what the nutritional intake on these things is. They're great. great. Yes. Well, you've certainly calories and carbohydrates for the day, according to this. Really? It says it's fat-free, though. But uh, how's your mouth and your tongue? I've got a cramp. Oh. I think I have a canker. Oh, cramps and cankers, hey? Hmm. Well, you see, sometimes when you get what you want, you have to be careful. Sometimes be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. And it might not be the thing that you actually need or want. People can get excited about that candy, but what was it like to get everything everybody else wanted? Other people had their hands up, felt how to feel at the time. Felt good to get all of the candy. Yeah, and now? All right. So um, the lyrics to numerous songs remind us, I think it's a good reminder, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. And this is, I think, one of the lessons in Balaam's story for us. The lesson of being careful about our motives, careful about what we desire. When God says no to us, it may just be for a good reason. And sometimes we're not quite, we're a little stubborn. We don't quite hear it the first time. We keep pushing and we keep pushing and we keep pushing through all of the barriers. Sometimes God's first answer to us is the best answer for us. And when God says no about something, sometimes we just need to learn to receive that as his answer. Now, that's not necessarily true of anything. There's everything. There's a lot of other stories in a scripture about being persistent in prayer and keeping on with something. But sometimes we know that God has very clearly said to us, either know or wait about this, and we're just pig-headed, and we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing on it. Sometimes when God says no about something, we need to learn to receive that as his answer. In a few minutes, the prayer teams will be available for you when we'll do some uh, responding together in song. And you might want to ask them to pray with you and ask them, I'm not even sure whether God has said no or yes about this. I don't know whether I should keep praying about this or not. They would love to help you listen to what God might be saying to you about that and pray with you and see if you could come together and discern to some answers about what God might be. But sometimes God says no, and we need to learn to receive that answer. I think another lesson we can learn from Balaam's story is this lesson of humility. Because one of the things that comes to us in this story is that God can speak through anyone. God can speak through anyone. Balaam thought he was so special that God spoke to him and through him. But now God spoke all right, and it wasn't to him or through him. It was through a donkey. 
of all of the animals God could have chosen, of all of the ways God could have communicated to Balaam, God chose to do it through a stubborn mule. I love the way John Ortberg reflects on this in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted. He reminds us that hearing God speak to us is no indication that we are unusually spiritually mature or important. God is able to communicate with whomever he chooses, however he chooses. Now, imagine that Balaam's donkey had responded to that event as I think maybe I would have responded to the event. Suppose the donkey had returned to the stable and all puffed up to the other donkeys. Listen, I have superior insight and wisdom. Did you know that I can see angelic beings? Did you know that I saved our our poor master Balaam from being just killed by an angel? I mean, it's just amazing. I, I was able to discern an angelic presence when even the prophet himself was ignorant of it. What if the donkey put on this sort of all of these airs and considered itself more righteous and more important and in an exalted spiritual class above other spiritual quadrupeds? It's ridiculous, right? Well, sometimes I think we can have encounters with God, and then coming out of those, sometimes we can get pretty proud of ourselves. And we can think, well, I'm on the prayer team, and uh, I think it's pretty good. You know, I I come to pre-gathering prayer pretty often, and, you know, I, I don't want to brag, but I'm getting pretty good at this hearing from God business. You know, if you want to hear from God, you should come and talk to me, because, you know, I've practically got a corner on the market for that stuff. If we fall into that trap, I think God can orchestrate circumstances around us to remind us of the fact that God can speak through anything and anyone. If we, if we begin to get really conceited, it's pretty asinine. Because humility and accepting the roles that God has given us as his servants liberates us to be who we really are. And in the end of the story, the interesting thing in chapter 23 and 24 is that God actually does speak through Balaam. Not once, not twice, but three times. It's almost as if the donkey's three encounters foreshadow in chapter 23 and chapter 24 the way that God uses Balaam. And he uses Balaam to utter a fantastic prophecy of blessing over the nation of Israel. He actually prophesied the coming of Jesus' Messiah. He prophesied that Jesus will bring uh, open eyes to the blind and bring sight to those who live in places of spiritual darkness. And I think that's the final lesson in Balaam's story, that God can use anyone for his purposes. God can speak through anyone, but God can also use anyone for his purposes. If God could use a stubborn person like Balaam to speak words of prophetic blessing over the lives of people, maybe, just maybe, God could use you and me. If God could open Balaam's eyes so that he could see, maybe, just maybe, he can open your eyes here today. If God can put words in Balaam's mouth 
then maybe he can use you to encourage someone today. If God can give Balaam a vision, just maybe he can do that for you here today. If God can bring Balaam in chapter 24, he brings him to this place of his knees in worship. And maybe God could do that with you today. So you might be like Balaam. Balaam is pretty mixed up. He does not have it all together. And sometimes you might feel like when you come into an environment like this, it seems like everybody has all of their stuff together. It seems I might be the odd one out here. Like, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have all of my things together. I don't feel like I'm praying right. I don't feel like I'm reading the Bible as much as other people do. You know, I don't feel like I'm reading the Bible as much as I should. Welcome to the club. It is a large, large, large club, and we are all members thereof. Because I love the fact that Balaam shows me that you can be as stubborn as a mule. You can be all mixed up, and God is still able to use you and speak through you. As imperfect and as fragile and as messed up as you and I are, That's the one thing I love about walking with God. God doesn't use people because they're perfect or have it all together. He uses people who say to him, just like Balaam said to him, God, I will say no more and no less than what you want me to say and do. Perry and the team are going to come, and they're going to do a song of reflection for us, followed by a couple of songs of response. And the words to this first song of reflection are going to be up on the screen. But I don't want you to sing it. It's a special music song. This first song is called Lord of Me. And it's about another character in the Bible with a very mixed bag of motives. His name was Peter. And just like Balaam, and like you and I, sometimes Peter saw things clearly and sometimes he didn't at all. And sometimes he messed things up. And so in those moments, Jesus comes to Peter and to you and I, and he reminds us of his grace and his mercy. And as, the, as Perry sings this song for us, you might be thinking to yourself, I'm kind of like that. Like, I feel like I've got this mixed bag of motives. Some of them are some of them are impure. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't get it right. You may want to just let God know that. And it may be you want to just say something like this to God. You know what, God? Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And maybe for you that's a new prayer or a new experience. If that's a new experience for you, I want to process that with you a little bit more and talk with you about that before you leave here today. Maybe for you, you've been around a while and you think to yourself, well, you know what? I, I just need God to, to analyze my motives a little bit more and speak to me about what's going on inside my life, inside my heart, inside my head. And you might want to just spend time during this song just asking God, God, are you actually the Lord of me over all of these parts of my life? Or is there any part of my life that you really want to kind of put your finger on this morning and identify and speak to me about? I just invite you to open yourself to that experience this morning and listening to what it is that God might want to say to you. You might want to just close your eyes and listen to the words. You might want to hold out your hands. You might want to pray. You might want to get up and move over to where the prayer 
team is. And so the LaFleurs will be on, on one side. And uh, Bailey Davies and Jackie Pasco will be over on the other side over here. And they would love to pray with you and just process that and respond with you and just help you hear from God this morning. They'd be privileged to pray with you and ask God to continue to fill you and use you to impact the lives of other people. So let's pray together as we invite God to speak to us, as we learn to listen with humility, as we learn to speak with blessing and learn to let God fill and use each of us for his purposes here today.